Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 569 for the 19th of November, 2017. This week, Alien Skin has released a major update for its exposure application, expanding its standalone capabilities by providing better photo management tools. We'll take a long look at what's new and why it's important. In short circuits, do you have some old digital photos from the early days, pictures you can't use because the quality is so low? Well, maybe an online service will be able to help you improve them. If you think that CompuServe forums no longer exist, you're wrong. But a month from now, you will be right. In spare parts only on the website, another iteration of Locky, the malware that encrypts files and holds them hostage, wants to come aboard your computer. GoDaddy introduces a new feature for businesses that need to establish appointments with customers. A survey says artificial intelligence is the future and battling identity theft and wire fraud in the real estate industry. The latest iteration of Alien Skin's exposure adds equal measures of features intended to make file management better and to improve the editing experience itself. No longer solely a plug-in for Adobe Photoshop and Lightroom Classic, it now gives users full photo management capabilities. I called out Lightroom Classic because plugins are currently not supported at all by Adobe's new Lightroom CC. That version aims to provide parity between desktop and mobile editing. Lightroom CC probably should be considered more of a proof of concept at this point than a fully functional image management system. It's likely that the ability to use plugins will be added sometime, but Adobe isn't there yet. So if you want to use Exposure X3 as a plugin, stick with Photoshop CC or Lightroom Classic, not Lightroom CC. Those who are currently using Exposure X2 as a standalone editor will find that several significant shortcomings have been remedied in Exposure X3. Collections can be used to group related images from any directory. Virtual copies allow experimenting with several or several dozen presets and looks without having to physically duplicate the image. That means a 30 meg raw image consumes only 30 megabytes regardless of how many virtual copies you create. Keywords have been added to improve the ability to categorize images for quick retrieval. Star ratings and flags are also available. And although not new in the X3 version, the addition of layers in version X2.5 greatly enhanced Exposure's editing capabilities. So let's take a look at some of these new features, and we'll start with collections. Collections can contain sub-collections, so a professional photographer might have a collection for weddings, and then a sub-collection for each individual wedding. A home user might have a family collection, then sub-collections for children and spouse. Another for vacations with sub-collections for each separate vacation. You'll see an image on the TechBiter Worldwide website that shows several aspects of the interface. That's www.techbiter.com. Be sure to check that out this week because there are lots of images from Exposure X3 that explain the new features. 
The user can create any number of collections, and any image can be in any number of collections. One collection might be designated as a quick collection that makes adding images there faster. A lightning bolt icon identifies the current quick collection. When you select an image in Exposure X3, the selected image is shown in the top left corner of the interface with a histogram below it. Presets, which are the starting point that many photographers use to modify the look of an image, are shown in the lower left corner of the interface. And by the way, the user is allowed to move sections of the interface around, so if you don't like the way that Alien Skin set it up, you can change the interface to suit your own needs. The application provides information about any image when a user hovers the mouse over the thumbnail. There's a layers panel in the upper right corner. That's not entirely new with this version. It actually was introduced in X2, but it's still new enough to talk about, so we'll come back to that in a bit. Controls for the various image modifications are in a gigantic panel along the right edge. The bottommost panel in that group contains the image's metadata. Moving along to virtual copies, these are a most welcome addition. That's because they make it possible to modify multiple versions of an image without having to duplicate the image on disk. Even though disk space is inexpensive now, it's still better to allow the tiny sidecar files to hold information about multiple edits than to create multiple copies of those large photo files. For example, you might want to compare the impact an image has when it's in color against its appearance in black and white. And you're not limited to a single virtual copy, so creating a variety of interpretations is really easy. Presets have always been a really strong point with Alien Skin's exposure application, and the ability to try several presets simultaneously now on a single image to see which might be the most useful speeds the process of finding just the right look. Once you've selected a raw image, or even a JPEG, it can be compared with three presets. In the example you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website, I wanted to see an old black and white Polaroid look, a Technicolor movie process that highlights the eyes, and another black and white look that recreates the appearance of a photo created with Agfa APX 100 film. The film looks have been around exposure since the beginning. It was what originally made exposure different from any other set of plugins, and they're still what makes the starting points really distinctive. You'll be able to add keywords. They can be typed, selected from a list of recently used keywords, or applied from a library of words. A user might create a library of keywords to be used with family photographs, another for vacations, and yet another to relate to photographs created for a hobby. Those keywords can be added any time. And although layers aren't new in this version, they were a very welcome addition to Exposure X 2.5. Previously, Exposure could add only one effect at a time, and users who wanted to combine effects needed to find workarounds. Well, now it's possible to add two or more effects to the same image, to apply masks to each of the effects, and then to blend them together. In the example that I show on the TechBinder Worldwide website, I've modified a snapshot to use a preset that recovers detail in the shadows, and another that softens the focus in some areas. The two presets are shown in the Layers panel. That's at the upper right corner of the interface. Each of the presets has a mask to control where it's applied. The Shadow Recovery preset is applied evenly across the image, and the Bokeh, or Soft Focus effect, is applied only at the corners of the image. Each layer's opacity can be controlled individually, 
and then the overall intensity of all the effects determine how pronounced the changes are on the resulting image. When you take a look at the TechBiter Worldwide website, you may notice some bright blue areas on that image. Well, that's Exposure's way of showing me which shadowed areas have no detail at all. This information, while important, can sometimes be a distraction, so it can be turned off. In fact, it's turned off by default. A similar feature shows bright areas that have no detail with a red highlight. It might be good here to take a look at some of the key operational differences between Lightroom and Exposure. Initially, Exposure was only a plug-in for Adobe Photoshop, and when Adobe added it, for Lightroom. So it didn't need the ability to import and manage files. That was all left up to Lightroom, or if you used Photoshop, it was left up to Bridge. When the standalone capability was added, AlienSkin needed to develop a method to manage files. Lightroom stores information about photographs separately in a catalog file. That file might be on a disk drive that's not associated with the photos. The good thing about the catalog file is that all information about every image is kept right there in one place. The bad thing about the catalog file is that all the information about every image is kept right there in one place. Lose the catalog and you lose all of your edits. And the size of the Lightroom catalog is significant too. In my case, it exceeds 50 gigabytes. When I talked with Alien Skin CEO Finley Lee, he explained why Alien Skin chose to use sidecar files instead of a catalog. Backups are difficult. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of Lightroom users out there who just don't know. They might be backing up their photos, but they don't know that there's this extra thing, this catalog that is containing all their edits and um, you know their ratings and things like that that they also need to be backing up. And so that presents an extra challenge when you're trying to, to back up or restore. Uh, I've certainly talked to people who lost a hard drive and they had their raw files happily backed up, but then they realized, oh no, I didn't have my, my catalog backed up. So it's extra complexity that the user shouldn't have to worry about. And I, another nice thing about exposure is the good performance. I think the catalog adds a little bit of sluggishness that we've all seen with, with tools that are based on catalogs that you don't see with exposure. Exposure is very quick. And of course, you don't have to explicitly import an exposure. If you've got folders or folders with photos that are on your hard drive, you just navigate to them and start working on your photos uh, immediately, and you're good to go. Uh, exposure's catalog-free approach also makes certain things easier, like transferring files, uh, transferring your photos, along with their edits to another computer. Because the metadata files containing the edits are stored with the photos, you can just grab your, your folder that has your photos in it, copy it to a USB drive, copy it uh, across the network, and then your, your photos are there with their edits on, on the new machine. Because there is no catalog, Exposure has no concept of importing files. Now that's going to seem really strange to longtime Lightroom users because the first step in Lightroom is always the file import. With Exposure, it would even be possible for the user to edit files while they're still on the camera's memory card. But, warning here, I can't think of any situation in which that would be a good idea. Alien Skin's Exposure isn't the only application that uses sidecar files. And applications that use these special little files to store information about images can place the files in the same folder with the images, as some other applications do, or create a separate directory where the sidecar files are stored. There are advantages to both methods. 
If the sidecar file is stored in the same folder as the image, sorting the files by name will group the image and the sidecar together so they can be copied together. That's handy if you want to send just one file to another user, but it also creates a lot of clutter in the directory. The sidecar files can be stored in a separate directory, either one that's a subdirectory of the folder with the images or a completely separate folder. I'm not aware of any application that uses a completely separate folder. After all, that would simply introduce a lot of disadvantages. An important advantage of using a subdirectory in the folder with the images, as AlienSkin does, is apparent when files must be shared with another user. Copying the full directory of images automatically takes the sidecar files along. Exposure's sidecar files have an Exposure 3 extension. They are in XML format. The extensible markup language is a great choice for this information. It's because it is more or less readable by humans. Each directory with images that have been edited by Exposure X3 will contain an alien skin directory, and that directory will have at least one additional directory, Exposure X3. If you have used Exposure X2, a directory will be present for that version's sidecar files, too. Lee says the decision to use a subdirectory was the result of feedback from users who didn't want the clutter of having sidecar files in the same directory as the images. In exposure, the sidecar files are always stored in this alien skin folder. You know, we heard the, the people's criticism about clutter. That's why we put things in a folder. So you only get one little extra file along with your photos. But we felt like it was important to keep them in the same folder so you can do things like move a folder to another place and have those edits come along with it. Alien Skin's decision to create a standalone version of Exposure may have been at least partially informed by Adobe's decision to switch from perpetual licenses to software as a service licensing several years ago. In any event, this new competition might have changed the relationship between Adobe and Alien Skin, which has always been friendly. I asked CEO Finley Lee about that. Well, you know, we've always had a very friendly relationship with Adobe, but there have always been aspects of competition as well. Like, for example, when Adobe Photoshop came out with a bunch of effects that were very similar to the effects that we were shipping with our, our iCandy Photoshop plugins. And so I think they were apologetic about coming out with a feature that was very similar to uh, one of their, their, their partner's features, but uh, they needed to, to do that to serve their customers. We kind of feel the same way about adding standalone capability. Adobe has a big market with Lightroom, and a lot of people like it. But for some folks, a, a different style of editor is going to make more sense for them, and we feel like we can be the guys that, that provide that editor. But we still love Adobe, and we, we are happy <laughs> to continue to make products that support you know, the Photoshop plugin spec and external editor spec for as long as people are interested in, in having those. There's a lot to like here, whether you're a user of Adobe's applications or not the ability to use Exposure X3 as a standalone application and as a plug-in is worth investigating either way. The bottom line is 5Cat's Exposure X3 offers a different way to manage photographs. Exposure has always been an outstanding plug-in for Photoshop and Lightroom. Now, as the standalone version matures, powerful new features make it a viable, if friendly, competitor with Adobe's photo editing applications. Adobe and Alien Skin applications work well together, and photographers, particularly pros and serious amateurs, will probably want to experiment and determine the procedures that work best for them. You'll find additional details on the Alien Skin website, 
There is a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Early adopters of digital photography may have dozens or hundreds or maybe even thousands of low-quality images on their computers. In 1998, Sony loaned me one of their Mavica cameras. Instead of solid-state memory, these cameras used floppy disks. Image quality was horrid, but at least it was better than what the original Mavica offered. Sony introduced the Mavica all the way back in 1981. It was the first electronic camera. Note that I did not say the first digital camera. That's because the Mavica's CCD sensor produced an analog video signal in the NTSC format. Resolution, 570 by 490 pixels. That's what you'd find on television screens back then. By the time Sony loaned me a camera, it was a digital device. But the basic image size was still just 640 pixels by 480 pixels adequate for screen viewing at the time, useless for printing. Check out the TechBiter Worldwide website. You'll see a test image I created in 1998. And be sure to click the image on the web page. You'll see it in its marvelous 640 by 480s splendor. The image was only 39 kilobytes. That kind of image reduction was Sony's only way to be able to fit an acceptable number of images on a 1.4 megabyte floppy disk. Because of the extreme compression, artifacting is visible even at normal size. A new online service called Let's Enhance promises to correct some of the flaws in images such as these old low-res and highly artifacted images. I wanted to see how the process worked. The service is free. Anyone can sign up to use it on the Let's Enhance website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Developers are in Estonia. They say they use neural networks to upsample photographs in a way that Photoshop can't. Submit one photo to the site, it will return three images to you. One is called anti-JPEG. It's just a copy of the image in lossless PNG format. The second and third images are the ones that have been modified. Image number two will include the term boring in its name, and it's a four times upsampling of the image. So your 640 by 480 picture becomes 2560 by 1920. The third image includes the word magic in its name. This is the one you'll be most interested in because in addition to being a four times upsampling, it also includes efforts to remove artifacting and improve resolution. Let's Enhance puts it this way. If the system detects that you uploaded compressed JPEG, it automatically applies anti-JPEG neural network. While it's highly efficient in removing JPEG artifacts, it can also lead to some blurring. This is anticipated. If you'd like to avoid it, you can save the JPEG as a PNG24. This will skip the anti-JPEGing as well as preserve the noise. Well, my image was highly compressed and the blurring by the anti-JPEG process wasn't really objectionable. You'll see the boring version on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The developers explain the difference between boring and magic this way. Boring does upscaling and doesn't hallucinate fine details. This option is good for illustrations, logos, vectors, etc. Magic does hallucinate a bit, so it's perfect for photos. And the image returned by the magic process really does seem to extract some detail that simply wasn't there. 
Once again, be sure to check these images on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Now, for comparison, I used AlienSkin's Blowup 3 application. That's always been my go-to choice whenever I needed to upscale an old image. But the noise and artifacting remain more visible than in the Let's Enhance Magic image. If you have images from old digital cameras, this is a service you might want to take a look at. Although there's a free option, the developers also offer a paid version. Paid subscriptions receive priority processing, 30 minutes or less. 10 images, $5. 25 images for $10. 100 images for $35. A subscription plan allows 20 images per month for $5. Unused image purchases are carried over to the following month. So for testing and occasional work with old images, the free service will probably be sufficient. Those with a lot of old images to process may find one of the paid options to be worthwhile. You'll find all the details on the Let's Enhance website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Harry McCracken, who is Fast Company's technology editor, wrote this week that CompuServe forums are being discontinued. This is a lot like hearing a news report that a famous actor has died and realizing that you thought he died many years ago. CompuServe began in 1969 as CompuServe Network in Columbus. In the beginning, it was owned by Golden United Life Insurance. In the 1970s, I had returned to Ohio State University to take some graduate-level journalism courses. One of those dealt with online services, and the professor had a complimentary CompuServe account that the students could use. By then, Golden United Life had spun the service off as a separate business. The company set up forums, and instead of hiring people to manage them, worked with users who became forum managers and were called sysops, system operators. The sysops were compensated based on the popularity of their forums. In a pre-internet world, CompuServe was everything. McCracken's article notes that CompuServe was the dominant online service until AOL came along. The forums covered topics from amateur radio to model railroads, PC hardware to comic books, pretty much everything. And because the cost of connecting was high, $5 an hour at night and more during the day, the forums were civilized, and questions were usually answered quickly. As McCracken puts it, the signal-to-noise ratio was generally high. In other words, it was nothing like today's Internet. AOL bought CompuServe in 1998, and that was essentially the beginning of the end. AOL grew large, acquired Time Warner, got booted from Time Warner, and is now owned by Verizon. Through all that, CompuServe's forums dwindled but remained alive. They're now close to the end of the road. Any remaining forums will be discontinued in mid-December. I can't say I'll miss the forums because I haven't had a CompuServe account for nearly 30 years, but I do miss the structure and the willingness of participants to help others instead of belittling them. If you'd like to read it, McCracken's article is on the Fast Company website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. And while you're there, you also might want to take a look at spare parts, because that's the only place you'll find it. This week, another iteration of Locky, the malware that encrypts files and holds them hostage, wants to come aboard your computer. GoDaddy introduces a new feature for businesses that need to establish appointments with customers. A survey says that artificial intelligence is the future. 
at battling identity theft and wire fraud in the real estate industry. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.